Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. No. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Hello, hello on the New Truth Podcast. It's just Catherine here today with Carol Kamen, my friend, mentor, teacher. I am so, so grateful to introduce Carol to all of you and to share, you know, Kate and I have often talked about our journeys of our own healing and personal development, but not, but rarely have actually mentioned what we did and what our paths looked like. And Carol is the founder of Pathways Institute, and it was actually her work that was the beginning of my personal development journey. So I am so excited to share more about that and to talk about what it means to really live from your heart. We're going to take it out of the conceptual cute idea that maybe many of you think about as you're listening to the podcast or doing your own personal development work how the heart is actually a state of consciousness. There are qualities of the heart. And then very specifically, the heart conference that I attended in 2013, that was a pivotal game change. I mean, altered the course of my life and most importantly, altered the course of how I viewed relationship. Um, really, really helped me heal. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So Carol, thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to be here. Lots, lots and lots to share. So where I'd like to begin, and when I think about the message of the podcast, right, is this idea that most people have been taught fairy tale love, which has been a honeymoon phase, high, high intensity, high passion, and then a lot of chasing a feeling. And when I think about my own journey, I sometimes, I mean, I don't know if I really believed in the, in the fairy tale. I was, I was more, I'm going to find a partner who's going to save me, right? I'll be healed and whole when someone else loves me rather than ever doing any of the deep self-love work um, myself. And so when, when we hear self-love as a buzzword right now, what would you say is like self, like what's, what do you not like about the self-love as the buzzword that makes, what are you rolling your eyes at <laughs> on Facebook and, and in the personal growth community? Well, it, actually, I want to talk about fairy tales. And I, I mean, I think we tell ourselves that we don't buy it or we don't believe it or, you know, we pretend that, hey, I'm an independent, powerful woman, which which we are. So I'm not looking for a, a man to change my life. But, you know, I think about the Cinderella fairy tale, right? And, you know, here she is and she finds Prince Charming and, you know, he pulls her up onto the, 
horse in back of him and they ride off together with her hair flowing in the breeze. And, and I think we all imagine, whether it's, uh, you know, I want a man to complete me or not, we all imagine that there is that perfect relationship in, you know, that will have me feel whole and more important, will protect me from, you know, from the the thing that triggers in life or the things that have me just feel hurt or upset or bad about myself or bad about life. And, you know, how many relationships have we all been through um, with that hope in mind? And then, the, you know, the realization that that didn't happen and then either blaming him for his shortcomings or blaming ourselves, which is even worse. And, you know, that propelling us into even more, you know, trying to perfect ourselves so that somebody will bring me that perfect love. Um, so like, that's or the relationship that brings out all of those feelings that I'm trying to, avoid. that was me and my ex, <laughs> that, that this person's going to make me feel better. Turns out I'm triggered all the time <laughs> and, and I have more pain being in relationship with this person than anything I just was feeling in my life without him. <laughs> and so yes, protect from the antidote to I'll never feel disappointed. I'll never feel lonely again. I'll, I'll never feel um, not good enough, right? So as if something will, that will save us. Yeah. And, and the stuff that has me rolling my eyes all the time are, are things like, um, both the promises, right? Just mm. do X, you know, do this particular course or whatever it is, and you'll be wealthy and happy forever, or you'll have the perfect man and be happy forever. And, you know, I think the only the only thing that can determine our experience of life is us. And particularly, you know, the heart center, us, us opening our heart center and, it, you know, being able to come back to our heart center over and over and over again is is totally within our control, totally within our grasp. And I think all the perennial wisdoms and wisdom schools have always pointed us in that direction, right? That, you know, that unconditional love exists it, for everyone. And it's not a set of behaviors, it's a state of consciousness. How would you describe perennial wisdom for people that are probably like, what is that? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you look into um, the some of the, any of, of the religions have kind of core teaching stories. Mm. Um, any of the mystery schools that came before them, any of the teachings from Buddhism or, or Vedantic mysticism, any of, of those, even if you look at Carl Jung and um, or Joseph Campbell and mythology and depth psychology, everything points us back to our own hearts. Perfect. Perfect. Except new age spirituality. Except new age spirituality. <laughs> it's very much add water and stir 
right? It's also very superficial, right? If, and, and some of it's very useful, right? So, you know, if I wake up every morning and I spend 15 minutes in a gratitude practice, my life is definitely going to go better that day. Right. Right? But it's not going to solve all of life's problems. Right. Right. And we have, I certainly was on the hunt for figuring out how to, I, I was a solve the problem that is me. Like my attitude before finding pathways was really a shame. Like I had an attitude of something's wrong with me. And then what, what the very first personal mastery intensive, the first workshop with pathways gave me was I left that workshop actually having the experience, not just having a bunch of people tell me how great I am and saying affirmations, but spending three and a half days having the experience of myself and being able to believe, oh, I'm a human being and I have gifts and talents and I'm unique and I'm imperfect, but that doesn't make me you know, bad and wrong. Because I think there's a lot of what I've seen too. And I went down this path for a little bit of if I just do enough work on myself, then I'll be whole. <laughs> and like, like that, I, that idea of just people, because now it's so mainstream, like, you know, right. You can buy a any kind of course, every, you know, every kind of course imaginable um, <laughs> online that this chase for perfection or wholeness or some arrival that we're then immune to life. Yeah. As opposed to, can I really learn not just about myself and hold, you know, the, the things I love and get, get positive reinforcement for from others and the things I feel shame about and don't want to reveal and fear being seen because I judge them so much. Can I hold both of those with equanimity, right? Can I see the value that they both have? But more importantly, I think, can I see, and this is what the new age doesn't do, is can I see my personality traits and, and my psychological traits within a much larger container? Can I see what I would call the archetypal imperative behind them, right? So for example, um, you know, I, we, you know, we have, say, let's say I have a lot of warrior energy. Um, well, if I don't have any place to sort of express that or put that, then, you know, if it's, then I'm going to perhaps be too big in energy for people and they will judge me and I'll judge myself as being overbearing um, or, you know, controlling, right? And yet, you know, there are, you know, positive and negative implications to each archetype. And I think we need to learn about archetypes because if we didn't see them while we were growing up, we don't necessarily know we have them. So when I see so many women struggling with self-love and shame, that tells me that perhaps that woman grew up 
as a girl with a mother that didn't really have access to her own great mother inside, right? I certainly didn't. My mother was very, yeah, (laughs) my mother had a lot of great attributes, but she didn't really carry the mothering archetype. And so when I had my son, you know, it, it was so valuable for me to know that I could connect to the great mother as an energy, as a living archetype inside of me and one that shows up in my dreams. Um, and that's not a set of learned behavior skills. That's what I think we're seeing with the new age is that we see a lot of, of behavioral skills, like for self-love, nurture yourself, (laughs) take a bath, right? (laughs) Right. Take a bubble bath, buy yourself something nice. Um, Look in the mirror and say, I love you. Well, I'm not sure any of that really touches the deeper transformative realms. Right. So archetype is a word used like crazy right now as well. So let's hear the origin of that word, what it really means, like beyond the amount of people that are just making it up (laughs) right now. Like, isn't Jung was the first one to use that, right? Um, Yes. Although the idea of archetype um, certainly exists before Jung, but he, he essentially brought it to the public um, and he basically said that an ar- what archetypes are, are a priori experiences, i.e. they are living um, energetic systems in an individual or in a collective. Um, so any group, any society. And this is a lot like the instinctual process within an individual. So if we are not connected to the instinctual energies that all of us carry, then we can just have our own personal overlay onto them and become afraid of them. And this becomes really important, I think, in dating, right? Because you'll you'll see, often I'll see women I work with say, well, I just want a man that's really kind and really gentle. And, and then they'll get that man and they're bored, right? But they've really split, you know, they're afraid of sort of the instinctual passionate energies and don't necessarily know, you know, where are all of the appropriate and healthy expressions of passion? And can you separate those from the inappropriate and unhealthy expression? And so this actually, I don't know, this may go be going deeper than we want to. And no, this, this is per- this is perfect. I'm like, keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> because I think this is one of the problems that um, men and women really face today, which is, I think, culturally, we believe and we tend to see women as the victims, the helpless victims, and men as the powerful, controlling 
can, can I say a bad word on this podcast? Yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll look Surprise, at- I haven't sworn yet. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we look at, you know, we'll say the men are these controlling, powerful assholes, right? And yet, um, and, and, and to some degree, I'm sure we all have experiences where that's true, where we felt helpless and we have been harmed or hurt by a controlling asshole. On the other side is that, you know, I think at the deeper level, we don't really understand where the power of the feminine is. And it's a mistake to be thinking women are helpless. And it's also a mistake to think that women's power comes from acting like a man. And that's what I think the new age is sort of leading us to. And, you know, I, I think that women are also truly afraid of the feminine function within them. And we all are, I could say within us, because we don't necessarily grow up with mothers that have their feminine instinctual self you know, in connection. And I think the new age takes us into, we can dress in white and dance, you know, dance under the full moon, which I love to do. And we do a fair amount of that in the heart conference, right? But, but also, you know, to face inside of ourselves and, and become able to honor, right? And know what we feel and, and our intuition that comes through the feminine gate and be able to move and live from that mm-hmm. instead of trying to cut the balls off men, basically, turn them, you know, essentially make them impotent in the masculine ranges, which then we just end up feeling upset by anyway. Everyone's going to have to, I mean, I want to go back and listen to what you just said for the past few minutes too. It was so powerful, so powerful and can feel, you know, what, what I really want to name is the difference of finding you first. Like the beginning of my personal development was death work. You know, I didn't, I wasn't caught up in anything else. And then being introduced to death work, I started doing death work at the beginning of my work, which is all that you're naming, because right now it isn't, here are five steps to connect to your feelings. Here's, here's seven steps to reclaim your feminine. (laughs) Of course, we need to now talk about this since feminine, you know, this drives me crazy. This is my big eye roll. Cause of course I never tried. This was not how I approached dating at all. There's a message in dating culture right now of be more feminine. All you have to do is be more feminine in, in order to a- attract a man. <laughs> and, and here, you know, on top of here's the text message, you know, to send. And I think what is, I wrestle with this myself, you know, hard earned wisdom. Like we have to be willing to go through life and be willing to learn and stop thinking there's some quick fix um, or, you know, a two hour class 
that is going to give me that, you know, every day I meditate every day. I'm dan I dance every day. I spend time with myself every single day, not from, Oh, I'm checking off the box. This is me loving myself, <laughs> but from, I don't know how to live any other way. Um, <laughs> and so I'd love and obviously this could be a whole podcast in and of itself, but from, from your wisdom and the teachings of what, how would you describe feminine and masculine so we can bust through what's making, what I think is making a lot of people crazy. Um, many women are sick of the message of just being more feminine, you know, to find a partner. Um, and when you said earlier too, the personal overlays on the archetypes like that's what's happening with those words mm -hmm. um too so let's go to fundamental force right that's how you always come back to the fundamental force yes. of each um so let's just a little bit so they can feel because because of course all kate and i talk about often is if you are disconnected from yourself right if you're pretending to be someone you're not if you are putting on a show on a date if you think a man's going to make you happy. You're not in your feminine, <laughs> like you're, you're not in your heart. And that's probably not the path to finding a partner. Um, but the difference between, you know, what does it mean to be connected to your heart and your own feminine? Well, I think they're two separate questions to some okay. degree. Um, and, and what I want to say first is I think we're all both feminine and masculine. Yes. And the real challenge, I think the challenge isn't, oh, I've got to be more feminine. I think the challenge for everybody, men and women, is can I be whole? And can I know myself fully? And can I stop being afraid of myself um, enough to, to truly embrace and live from and express from all of what I am. Can I celebrate all that I am? And that's a challenge of a lifetime, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, I know you see it in the Pathways Institute work all the time where, you know, as people truly become more of that, then we can celebrate that wholeness in other people and we stop being so judgmental about ourselves or about life or boiling you know boiling it down to what is what what qualities does the man have to have that I'm going to date any of those things and and we do recognize those people those beautiful souls that we meet men and women who have that resonance and those become our dear, dear sisters and friends and, and our beloved men, friends and lovers, one would hope. Um, and, and what is, I mean, so lots of questions here. So a quick question to the answer of what is masculine and what is feminine? I think the I Ching symbol of where you see the, you know, black and white woven yin together, the yin yang symbol with, you know, a dot of the other inside it um, is, is a good image of, of, you know, masculine and feminine. 
Um, I like to teach what masculine and feminine is by showing a film of how conception happens and having people track the journey of the sperm as the masculine journey and the journey of the egg as the feminine journey. And then I think we have a number of qualities that have to do with, you know, the sperm is, is reaching, it's directed, it's focused, it's moving fast. So we would say it's active in that sense. Um, and, and the feminine is very much that egg's journey is solitary. Uh, where the men, you know, there's billions of sperm, right? And um, and they're all hunting for the goal, right? And then only one can reach the goal, if that many. And it's a very perilous journey for them. The feminine function of that egg is done solid in solitary, in quiet, slow. We could call that receptive. Um, and we need both of these active, receptive, um, you know, hot, cold, if you will, uh, you know, just these primary energetics that, you know, directed and, and non-directed, right? Just open, um, logical, cyclical. Um, so, you know, linear and cyclical. So these are the primary forces and, and we all have to develop them all for wholeness, even though we do live in a society that values and educates towards goal direction, um, linear, logical, which are, are essentially within the masculine aspects, right? not the feminine. So, so, so important. I always do sun and moon and yes. the recognition of what would happen to the earth and the, all the oceans without the moon. <laughs> it's like, you know, what we, what we make important. And of course, you know, you know, I don't have Versailles be more feminine, nor do I ever ask you to make a list about what you want in a partner and <laughs> that the, the healing journey. And it was for me of, wholeness and most of all believing that who I am was lovable and enough and there wasn't anyone else I'm supposed to be and that's the thing that is most painful for me around that dating culture and and we can see it right if a woman already doesn't like herself right and I'm already not feeling enough and then I see this flashy beautiful thing that says do these five steps to make him want you or just be more feminine and then you're you know all set rather than actually be whole and know yourself and then recognize when you're connected to yourself, you'll recognize wholeness. Like you, it was so beautiful what you said, because this is also what the community gave me, um, being around other, like seeing the beauty and gifts of other people without comparing myself to them or sizing up, which is what so many people do. You know, the commute, the pathways community one was the best because it's all ages mm -hmm. and, you know, and it was, and that it was men and women. 
And I had, um, granted, I had been two years sober when I entered the Pathways community. So that was, I was having a community experience of all walks of life, all people and learning how to love. But then being in Pathways was to actually be around people who were really working on themselves, like actually working on themselves. Um, And over a long period of time, you know, no one in the community was ever signing up from it for anything, you know, from this is going to fix me. It it became, this is what I love. This is what matters to me to be connected to something larger than me is what the work gave me. And I think, you know, that, that the heart initiation, the heart conference is unusual because it's an initiatory process. And so that is the one, the initiatory conferences are the one place where we are fully changed. It doesn't mean we're fixed, but it means we have a complete new set of eyes and ears that, that are through the heart center, which is very different right it's you you know I know you were young when you came in but you you've always been a wise soul always um but I I wonder if you could talk about now I'll interview you I wonder if you could talk about you know what what having a heart initiated heart center brought you oh my gosh so many things so I I was thinking about this actually this morning. No, I was going to talk to you. I was super reactive um, in my life before the heart conference. I was, I took everything personally. I was very disconnected from my body um, and my intuition. And I would be like the reactivity of just lots of triggers, <laughs> um, lots of triggers. And what one of the things that the heart conference gave me was the, and, and, and I am changed forever. I mean, people still will say I have clients, clients reflect this to me actually, like, doesn't anything bother you? <laughs> like what, you know, what, what triggers you? And, um, I don't get swept actually very easily. Now I'm don't, it's not, I never am triggered. My friends, I I do get triggered, but I'm no longer in these big swings. You know, that that's, what would happen to me. I would, I would be affected by something and it'd take me days, you know, to come back down from it rather than with a heart center, I can stay in, in a, in a real place of observation. Um, and, and contemplation with what's happening and know what's actually, if I am triggered, be able to track that inside myself rather than let the feeling, like feelings don't overwhelm me anymore. I should say, I could say it that way. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things. And I think what happens, you know, and I use this from my own heart center, right? What happens is we end up having an anchor point of direct experience of well-being and unconditional love. And this is like, wait for it, because this is the key. Unconditional love, regardless of what's happening around us. And I think so many of us 
grow up just thinking that life is cause and effect, right? So this bad thing happened and now I'm upset or this good thing is happening and now I'm happy, i.e. this man came into my life and he's just making me feel loved, right? As opposed to that, that unshakable place of the experience of love, self-love, love of others, and life's love for me is always alive, always ignited, always burning. And it's from there that we can deal with any of the things that are going wrong or, you know, and it's also from once we have that, we stop doing our lives from a place of trying to solve the problem of love. Because I think most of us are, whether it's how, how's my business doing? If it's doing great, I've solved the problem of love and, and the identity of worthiness. Um, same thing with dating. I mean, you can imagine. Bring it up. We don't have to talk about dating. Yeah. You can imagine dating from a place of absolute love. I, I have to tell you a funny dating experience. Perfect. So for a period of time, I went on eHarmony and, and, and I couldn't figure out why all the men I was dating wanted to marry me and like quickly. And it was really funny. And I started to kind of interview some of them. And I realized that what was happening was I was just going to the dates from a heart-centered place, which meant I was really open and, you know, not judgmental and truly being myself. And in that place where I, I am enough and I don't have to prove anything. Right. And I think that's the energy that's so enticing. And luckily, you know, a heart center also gives me discernment, right? Because I'm not trying to solve the problem of love. While these men wanted to marry me, I, I was aware that they weren't really right for me. Right. I love, I'm so happy you shared that and also could name, because I really want to say the concept, like, and it's funny with the podcast, obviously doing deeper work brings you to the actual embodied experience of this. Because a lot of women are saying, oh, okay, I'll be open, but you can't just tell yourself to be open if you're not connected to yourself and your own heart. And it. I loved dating. I had my heart conference. I had the best time dating because I wasn't just like you said, I was open, curious. I had nothing to prove. And my, my thing is everyone wanted a second date. I didn't quite have everyone want to marry me, (laughs) Um, but everyone wanted a second date. (laughs) Everyone wanted a second date. And this, you know, not, I, I wanted to bring up that when I had a heart with a heart center and the reactivity of life, I often, I mean, it's in the foundation of all of my programs. Now I'm in a good mood. If I'm getting what I want on dates, if I have a lot of men writing to me and then the world's ending, if nothing's happening, right. That's what that's clients start, start there with me. And that's the insanity of what we see in dating culture. 
that's reactivity. That's not being rooted in yourself. And when you're not chasing love and you, I, I mean, I love the idea of my, the love that I am guides my journey on love in love. And what is the most hysterical thing is, and we'll talk about the actual logistics of the heart conference in a moment, but I went to the heart conference with my (laughs) ex-boyfriends. So the one you've all been hearing about episode after episode of my on again, off again, insane journey. We didn't plan to go to the heart conference at the same time. We actually had been broken up and then ended up at the heart conference together. Um, I, it was at that conference. I mean, I'm in the same room as him having these unbelievably powerful healing experiences. And I remember looking at him at one point and knowing this is not love. Like the experience I'm having with him is not love because what was happening with him was he's responsible for how I feel. If he wanted me, I felt enough. And when we were broken up, I felt like the world was ending. And then most of all, the attachment to having him, like I couldn't function in my life without having him. And I walked out of that conference having enough, having touched enough of the well-being of, of love and unconditional love for myself and, a, and a, the force of love in my life where I was willing to believe, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was willing to believe in the love that I had just experienced and that I wanted to live my life creating that for myself rather than continuing the drama and the pain and the games that I was acting out with him. And in my experience, I don't know, obviously you can still be in your life and, and doing this work, of course, but what the heart conference does is it takes you actually out of your everyday life for 10 days so that this becomes the focus. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever really done something for myself um, as well. Like, yes, I was doing other pathways work that were a few days of a workshop um, and the three month long program, but the heart conference was phone off. I'm not at work. I'm not worried about anyone else. I'm focusing on this work, this mystery, this initiation and my own heart. That's what created the change um, as well, rather than these kind of half-hearted and, and women listening, you know, you know, if you're doing things half-heartedly, you know, if you're telling yourself, I just don't have time and how many people that's the excuse for everything, right? I don't have time. I'm so busy. And most of the time women are spending all their time taking care of other people and then being reactive on a dating site (laughs) and telling themselves that they'll feel better when a man, you know, comes their comes their way. But that was one of the many things, like, I know what love is. And of course, eventually was able to end my relationship with my ex. Um, he kept wanting to get back together. Um, and then have a marriage where my husband, I can feel love regardless of my husband's mood, regardless of whether or not we've had a date night in a few days, um, regardless of what's happening outside of me, it doesn't dictate how I feel about myself or how I feel in general anymore. 
Well, I think the challenge for all of us right now is that we're moving so fast and we're so busy and life is so full of, of, you know, information and engagement, especially online, that, you know, how do we really listen to our souls and come into that state of receptivity that is the state from which we can begin to deeply trust ourselves if we don't take time to get rested. And I think for me, I've absolutely set up the conference to be one in which there's, we interweave time of rest in which, you know, people can just walk or nap or, you know, go to, go to this beautifully stocked art room we have um, and not be taking in information or doing what we all think is working on ourselves. Like I think when we think of working on ourselves, we're improving ourselves and we're learning new skills and all this stuff. Well, I think working on ourselves is also resting and listening and letting the feelings that are there when we get still come through and expressing those feelings symbolically without having to act on them. Because I think especially for women's intuition, we have to learn how to have our emotions and not have them dictate an action, but have them bring us to deeper and deeper wisdom and understanding. Um, And I think it's, you know, a lot of us, we don't have our emotions. Our emotions have us, right? So, you know, I, and (laughs) yeah, you were describing that. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there's only so much that can be done online, right? Because, Uh, The online venue is really good for communicating concept. Or alone. There's only so much you can do alone. Exactly. (laughs) Not just online. Right. But, But then, you know, to be live and in your body and, and in your heart, in the presence of others and witnessed in that state with others. Talk about relationship training, right? Like, you know, for how many of us, is it just hard to bear being seen when we are in the parts of ourselves we love the most? That's actually the hardest. (sighs) Right. Vulnerability is not telling your childhood trauma on a first date. (laughs) It's actually very vulnerable to show up being proud of of who you are and in your joy and in your life and and revealing who you are. That's what's scary. But then why dating is so hard for people is because we don't do that. Right, we're full, full wearing the masks and pretending or waiting for someone else to give us permission to open. So what, what are the logistics of the heart conference in the sense of just getting people feel what a day is like, like what, what becomes possible for them there over the course of 10 days? Well, I, I would 
say that, first of all, what's great about the Heart Conference is that nobody has to come to any session, right? You get to yep. choose. Um, we do ask that people come and not use their computers and not use their phones, which I think is transformative in, in a huge self, way, yes. right? To just be to, off that electronic leash is such a, a freedom that's amazing. And then we start at 5.45 in the morning. First of all, people wake up into silence and get to be with the sunrise. It's beautiful. And then meditation, um, a heart-centered meditation, and then dream work um, until breakfast. And then breakfast about 8.30, session around 9.45 or 10. So it's a slow morning. And then we'll have sessions and, until 12.30. And the sessions involve um, movement and um, some body work and, and learning to connect to the images of our soul. Authentic movement and um, active imagination, which are practices that you'll use for a lifetime in being able to truly have a relationship with all parts of, of yourself and draw the wisdom from that. And then our afternoon break from 1230 to about four or 430. I encourage people to nap. Um, I did every day yeah. <laughs> when I was there. Well, people that every come, day. Most people that come have no idea, no clue. How tired how exhausted they are. We live in a perpetual state of exhaustion. Yeah. And um, then the afternoons um, are our ritual time in which we're all coming together to initiate each person's heart center. So really your own heart center is initiated as many times as there are people in the conference. And then we have dinner from at 5.30 and session 6.30 or 7. And the evenings are, are lighter. We're practicing, um, you know, working with different ways to access intuition or wisdom, seeing films, um, you know, talking about what the day's been laughing a lot. A lot. One, one of the things I love is that when people's are, are when people's heart are, are open and there's nothing to protect anymore, right? We are always so funny. Like, and because life is joyful and so delightful. Um, so that's yeah. always fabulous. And then we have a day and a half of silence and fasting in the middle of the conference where you get to just rest, follow your soul, whatever it wants to do. A lot of artwork gets done, um, which is just a way to do dream work in our lives without having to have a nighttime dream. Um, the best thing ever. <laughs> the best thing I ever did for myself. I still have the artwork that I did at my heart conference. And I, 
I mean, just even hearing you talk about it and this, and this is the gift. This is the anchor of remembering, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you forget and you remember it isn't, oh, I'm, oh, I'm this peaceful Buddha every second of every day <laughs> right now. Yeah. And, and I've shared a lot about, you know, my journey with Andrew and Andrew being sick and, and I was absolutely swept um, during some of that time, but I had a way to come home to, to my heart. I, I had the ability to not even make decisions about my marriage inside of a painful day. Um, cause we can have feelings, right? We think we have to marry the first person we fall like falling. I can get swept by meeting someone great. And then saying, this is the one right. just <laughs> as much as people can break up from one disagreement like this is the end right when we're just dictated by our feelings and i i also want to add that learning the language of symbol like like that that's something that only pathways has ever has taught me i haven't seen that anywhere else um and along with i was so serious <laughs> i was so I, I mean that was like even um uh, I don't, I don't know if I ever actually said this to you. One of my friends, um, she, she, it was, we were just on the phone and she's like, she was talking about a guy that, um, she had met and she's like, oh, on the scale of like Catherine to 10 of funny, like he was like a six. And I was like, wait, did you just say that I'm like, not funny <laughs> like at all? Um, and the, the being in community, being in that space was, was it's a letting go you know, and it doesn't just happen on your, your first day, but that's why it's 10 days, right? So we take the pressure off so that you can let your system and your soul have, you know, an experience. And then you're well set up for how to integrate what's happened after. And you know how to come back to your heart over and over. Well, I want to just add a couple of things to many things you've said. One is that heart center is anything but being peaceful right. and loving. I think that's what people think it is. Oh, I'm now just always peaceful and loving. Heart center is the experience. I would say the experience of this and that, i.e. I can be feeling upset yeah. and, and at the same time in unconditional love. I can be feeling angry and at the same time, be in the presence of unconditional love. And so I think having a heart center gives people a much bigger range of expression. Like how many people, how many listeners out there you're afraid to say when you're angry or upset because, you know, it, it, it might upset other people well, or the way you have done it in the past has upset other people. But, but when we have one foot in the state of well-being at the same time as being really pissed off, right, that communication is cleaner. That's so actually think, authentic. That's yes, authentic. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing is, I, I think dream work and learning the language of the unconscious ought to be required in from elementary school up because we're only living, we're living from half our resource when we're living with the outer linear mind. But every night we go to sleep 
And the dreams are showing us the full range of experience that's happening in our psyches, bringing us wisdom, creative actions and responses that we didn't even know were available to us. And, you know, our relationship to our dreams are, wow, that was weird. Must be something I ate, <laughs> right? So, you know, maybe well, you and I like will do that. I didn't like, I didn't like it yeah. or I had a great dream. <laughs> right? Oh, I dreamt about my ex. I should probably call him. Right. That, means, that means we're meant to be together. <laughs> right. So I, I think, you know, our dreams are our constant teachers. Yes. So, you know, maybe we'll do a podcast about dreams. Um, yeah. Do not Google. This, this is the first little plug of do not Google the symbols in your dreams no, and then act like that's the, that's the, the answer. Um, learning and that's the answer. And also we do, we learn about the tarot at heart. That was receiving my first tarot deck and you throw away the stupid little booklet that tells you what the, you know, card quote unquote means because you actually learn. So if that's, you know, something that you are interested in, or you don't even know if you would be interested in it until you get to the heart conference, you know, it's all just being, being able to be like, you keep saying it today, like, you know, connected to yourself, connected to other people and connected to the force of love. And so, gosh, Carol, when was the last heart conference? How many years ago? I think it was four years ago now. And how many do you think you've done? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this, this next one is March 2nd through the 12th, 2023. We'll post the link below for you to be able to register. The doors are open now. So you absolutely can sign up now. And I am so, so, so grateful to have had this conversation with you. I mean, I think there's like 500 things I want to talk about. <laughs> we yes. can keep going for like four Yes, hours. we could. I, I do want to say but, that I, I didn't think I'd ever do another heart conference because mm-hmm. I've stopped, you know, I'm mostly doing one-on-one work. And I, um, I really, I, I am offering this because of where, life is and society is right now. We're so, we're living in a society that's so polarized and there really is so much underlying fear and insecurity, even if we're not aware of it every day. Um, And a lot of pressure on people too for a, a kind of perfect life because we see, you know, what's, oh, what's wow. Instagram other than, you know, the celebration of perfection that most of us will never attain um, or come close to. And, and so it really felt like it, it was needed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause we haven't even talked about just that the past couple of years, you know, and, and how needed, this is and how isolated and lonely so many people have been, you know, amidst all of this too. And I can't say it enough that of course, you know, any powerful group work, I, I know Kate would say the same that our, our clients befriend one another, you know, for life, but there is something very, 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 very special about the pathways community because it is truly 
a mix of people of all ages and, and backgrounds and stories. And that, that in and of itself was healing for me coming into the work to just be in the presence of people older than me, people with big full lives, people who were really doing this work with couples, you know, witnessing their love. Um, and so it's a, it really is that remembrance of humanity. Cause one of the things that breaks my heart about online right now is I think we're losing our sense of vulnerability and, and yeah. being human as a result of the image of perfection. So being at the heart conference helped me reclaim that and then, and fuel the authentic way that I show up in my life. Um, you know, so that I'm not swept by the fancy things <laughs> online either. Um, and so I'm so grateful that this is available. I'm so grateful to share you with our community. And of course, if anyone has questions, we are both here. And if you received value from this podcast episode, please let us know. We always love that too. Or just know someone who needs to hear it. Um, you know, going to the conference with people in your life. Um, is also powerful. I'm sure, um, have there ever been, there's been family, I mean, not just couples, but like parents and children, cousins, oh, yeah. siblings, you know, <laughs> yes. all, all, all attending together. Um, and yeah. so I so hope so much this fills and all of you run down to, to click the link to sign up and, and give yourself the gift of this experience because there is truly absolutely nothing like it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I always love talking with you. And um, if folks are, are looking for us, we're Pathways Institute. And um, whether you're coming to the Heart Conference or not, we do have an online Facebook community that you can also join if you're so inclined and, and sort of meet the community so we'll put a link in all for those that. links yes yeah. all those links will be in the show notes thank you thank you thank you and we'll see you soon bye hi it's kate thanks so much for listening to the new truth podcast for more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, you can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.